Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's performance will feature death threats, edible arrangements, and a deep dive into one of the most contentious fonts ever designed. It's Papyrus with guest Chris Costello, beginning now on Created Things. Welcome to Created Things, a podcast of Catholic creatives, and the only program where it's equally likely that when you hear the word serif, we could be talking about an angel or the doohickey on a piece of type. I am your host, artist and psychotherapist, Jacob Flores Popcheck. With me as ever is my good and excellent friend, priest and Dominican friar, Father Gabriel Toretta. How are you doing today, Father? Hey-ho. I, um, you know, I wonder if I should start insisting that we change my introduction beyond like, you know, Dominican priests and what have you to be like, I think not everyone knows that I am technically speaking what you call a theological beautician. And I just think (laughs) this is an important part. This is an important part of my identity. And it's something that I think everyone needs to know about because I just figure like I have gone to all this effort of going to theological beauty school um and not thereby dropping out and i just feel like everyone needs to know that you know when you have theological beauty needs i am here for you i see i i would be okay telling that or including that in your introduction my my problem though is it tempts me to want to encourage you to stop pursuing your degrees that we can call you a theological beauty school dropout i know i know and this is the thing this is the worst part is that it basically like a by by adopting by adopting this persona of the of the theological beautician it does mean that like by definition i have to drop out just so that i have like a title song in my own like knockoff theological version of greece which is um you know in post-production i wouldn't worry about it's just a big thing nothing nothing to worry about One of the many truly god-awful projects you're doing, which will never see the light of day. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm here so. for. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's like a graveyard of terrible ideas. That's my heart. Oh, boy. Well, what's that may be the case, these terrible ideas. Um, what is What is not a terrible idea, though, is our idea to have a gentleman on our podcast for an interview that I've been very, very excited for for quite some time. Um, you know, as I want to cue this up here, but, you know, father, you're of course familiar with that sort of swoopy ancient looking calligraphy esque text that will be all over the church bulletin in, in your parish, which will be all over the, um, the kebab restaurant for some reason, which will be the funnest text when you install Microsoft Word on your computer. Um, this is a ubiquitous thing. It is a uh, it is a really fun thing. It is also a perhaps unfairly often mocked thing. Um, but like any any piece of art, it was created by a person, and I'm so excited to welcome that person to our program today. Um, with us, artist illustrator, graphic designer. He's done everything from create fonts in your computers, like I said, to creating the quarters in your pocket. Please welcome to the program, Chris Costello. How are you doing, Chris? Very good, guys. Thanks for having me on. We're so excited to have you on. Same here. We're so excited to have you on. (laughs) 
Um, so let's just, I mean, let's just start off with getting a little bit about you and your design background. Mm -hmm. Like I said in your intro there, you've, you've done everything from create fonts to um, build out coins uh, for the U.S. Mint. You, you have a very prolific and varied career. Um, tell us about your, your kind of artistic journey to this point. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's, it started out way back, actually, in, in uh, probably my first commissioned job was a... Uh, I uh, painted all the signs on the, the home run fence of our Little League uh, field. <laughs> I think I was maybe 10 <laughs> no years <way>. old. Yeah. <laughs> my, father, <clears throat> my father was a very, very strong influence in my uh, career direction, and he got me that job because he had you know, known people in the town. So uh, I made $70. I think I made $7 per sign and uh, painted them all. He, he actually taught me lettering. He taught me how to uh, paint signs because uh, he was a, a sign painter as well and a graphic designer. Um, so that was kind of the beginning. I was really excited. I was really, when they, when they were put up on the Little League field, it, it was, the, the field was in my elementary school. So I was like the famous guy who painted all those billboards. And uh, so I was quite quite the celebrity. Uh, <laughs> I know that I think about it, um, but yeah, uh, it was it was his influence really. I, I wanted to be a musician as well, and you know, for for a time I, I was, and um, and I was trying to figure, you know, should I go to Berkeley College of Music or should I go to art school? Um, and all along, I was talking to my father because he was a uh, commercial artist. He worked for IBM as a graphic designer. And he can pretty much convince me to to go the go the route of uh, you know graphic design. You can make some solid money in that career, and that that's pretty much uh, I just followed his direction. So um, yeah, I went to school, uh, a couple different schools. Uh, one I went to I was in a community college in in uh, a Dutchess Community College, which is an excellent art commu uh, uh, curriculum in Hudson Valley, uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, Got a job at a graphic design studio while I was in school. Uh, they, it was kind of like interning there for a while. Um, <clears throat> then um, left school, worked full time as a kind of a junior designer. Did that for, for uh, three years. Um, then uh, went off on tour with a with a band, and I quit my job and just kind of shifted back to music. <laughs> did that for a while. Uh, then I decided. Uh, to when, when we were when the tour was done we ended up um kind of not disbanding but we did a couple gigs locally in new york uh, upstate new york and then i decided i wanted to go back to school for graphic design to to um finish out my degree because i got a, it was in a two-year program uh so i went down to florida i'm trying to make it short i know it's kind of a long long uh kind of journey here but i went to fort the art institute of fort lauderdale um hmm. and uh Paid my paid my way for nine months, and I ran out of money. So I uh, was wanted to figure. All right, let me let me just take some time off. I'll uh, get a job and then go back uh, to school and finish up. I got a great job at an ad agency uh, down in Pompano Beach, Florida. Um, they hired me, and I learned so much just being there, working with art directors, creative directors, and the whole production team as a uh, designer, uh, a comping artist. Uh, just got the whole uh, uh, feel of what the business is all about that I decided, man, this is great. I've learned more in a month, I think, than I could probably learn in school. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I, I actually never went back to the Art Institute, but I ended up uh, working at this ad agency, ad agency called Group 3 Advertising. Then I uh, 
after a couple of years there, I went freelance. Um, and that was really, really great as well. Uh, I think for a couple of years, I was doing it on my own, working for a number of agencies in Miami. Um, and then I decided to, uh, uh, well, actually, another side project was that the papyrus thing happened uh, when I was working at that ad agency. I, I forgot. I, uh, I know this is what we're talking about here, but uh, on the downtimes with, with uh, hmm. when I was working at the ad agency, I was kind of like, you know, retainer. I mean, it was full time, but they kept the staff of artists even during the slow periods. And uh, during those slow periods, I just created and I did. I, I explored calligraphy and uh, uh, illustration. I did drawings. I did all kinds of things because I had to be in the office nine hours, you know, eight hours a day. So uh, and one of the things I kind of began to develop was I was playing around with this calligraphy idea. Um, and again, uh, it was the, the, where it was going with a lot of the doodles were happening is because at the same time I was beginning to, you know, I was seeking God. I was trying to deepen my relationship with God, studying the Bible more, getting into, and with that kind of in my mind, I was thinking of Jesus Christ, Middle East, uh, scriptures, and I was, I was writing entire phrases of scripture with the font. I was, uh, labeling cities in the Middle East. Um, and that just kind of like, it just kind of, wow, it just exploded. It's like, this looks really cool. I should probably do something with it. So, I mean, we can get into that story later, um, but to continuing the journey, um, that's where Papyrus started. And, uh, but um, I was in Florida for a while, and then I decided uh, I'd like to get back closer to home. Uh, so I moved back to Boston to be a little bit more closer to my family and some friends that I had in Boston. Uh, and that's where I am now. Um, but uh, I started, uh, I worked for ad agencies in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, uh, did some freelance work for, uh, some Boston agencies. Um, and a lot of, I mean, I, I got a full-time job at an ad agency for about two, two years. Then, uh, I got back into the band thing and I shifted away from art and did music and <laughs> <laughs> I joined a couple of bands and I, one in particular, we were, you know, it was, did a lot of original material and I was hoping to kind of make it uh, with that group. At the same time, I was exploring illustration. So I got into doing a lot of my pen and ink drawings, which, you know, you might see a lot of those on my website. Uh, I started doing work for um, textbook illustrator, or textbook companies mostly. Here in Boston, there were a lot of them. Uh, there's a Houghton Mifflin company. Uh, she had actually did work for Scholastic in New York, uh, some agencies in Chicago, and all these were like book illustrations. So I did a lot of that stuff and calligraphy work. I did some book titles and uh, typography. Um, and then, uh, then I veered into a, a lot of different things. I got into web design. I got into, uh, animation and flash animation when that was big. Um, uh, and, uh, then I, probably the most recent thing, uh, was the coin design, uh, coin and metal design, which is something that I just kind of, at a, I just discovered that they were, the U S mint was looking for, uh, artists, citizen artists, not necessarily, um, uh, uh, full-time staff. They wanted uh, to pull pull from creative sources just in the general population. And I applied uh, first time. I applied in 2004 and I uh, did not get in to the program. They were kind of set, uh, establishing a pool of uh, artists to work with. But uh, I was not deterred. I figured, well, uh, if I don't make it now, I'm going to go for it the next time. So seven years later, 
uh, there was another call and uh, I, I resubmitted my work and some new work and uh, and that time I I was actually accepted into the program which is called the uh, artistic infusion program uh, they wanted to get some kind of uh, new energy uh, new ideas into the, the, the into the group um, and that's what I've been doing kind of again contract work along with other illustration work but I've that I started doing coin and metal design uh, in 2010 with the U.S. Mint. Had my first coin minted uh, in 2013. Um, and I've been contracting with the with the Mint ever since. And I actually started working with the Royal Mint as well. I do some work with uh, contracting with uh, the, the Mint in the U.K. And I've done a couple of coins for, uh, for the U.K. Um, and that's where I am now. I'm also, uh, I'm still working full-time as a graphic designer. I design, uh, I work for the uh, uh, nonprofit organization called The Trustees, which uh, is, a, is a Massachusetts organization that um, is uh, involved with cultural uh, preservation, uh, cultural historic preservation, recreation, uh, and, and farming, actually. And, uh, and it's a, an organization that's really trying to preserve um, uh, a lot of real estate, a lot of uh, areas in the, uh, the state to keep from development and to to uh, just provide uh, just pristine prep places for people to visit uh, and to experience. Uh, and uh, so we, I do a lot of the, uh, the design work, magazine design, and um, some web-related work, signage, wayfinding. Uh, so that's what I do now. Coin design, illustration, typography, whatever the call is at this point, I think I've... seems like I've seen it all. <laughs> so... <laughs> And uh, I think the coolest thing too, though, is is everything that I've learned in whether it's typography, design, composition. Um, it's kind of it's it's all kind of came together to help me uh, do the best that I can as a as a coin designer. I think of using all those skills that I've learned to kind of pull it together as a designer of coins and metals. Uh, it's really interesting because that that type of art requires everything. Typography skills, layout skills, illustration skills, uh, composition. So uh, I'm thankful I guess, and I'm blessed. I feel like I am in a, in a place right now that it's kind of a dream situation. And I'm very thankful uh, to amazing. God for making all of this happen. You know, Because uh, it's not yeah. just me. It's like I, I, uh, who gives me the power to, to use my hands and, and do what I do uh, comes from God. So I'm very thankful for, for where, I, where I sit right now. It's amazing. So, yeah. I, um, there's a, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, um, so I'm a, I'm a historian, especially like a church historian, mostly, mostly a medievalist, but I do stuff in the earlier, some earlier periods too. And, you know, especially like, like early Christian antiquity, um, there's always these questions people get, um, so wrought up about coinage, believe it or not. Um, you, you, probably, you probably know a lot about this, but uh, but people just get really wrought up about coinage, you know, that there's this, like, that there's this coin that, um, that Constantine releases in, like, 313 and it has this and it seems like it has the um, it seems like it has the Cairo you know the first two letters of Christ the name in uh, mm -hmm. in Greek on in, on his helmet um and when you see it blown up in a textbook or on the internet or whatever, it's like, oh my gosh, that's a Cairo. This is like this is like a very profound statement that like he's a Christian now and like he's going to make the empire Christian and all this kind of stuff. Um, but then of course, like 
if you see the image, if you see the coin in real life, you know, I mean, that little thing that we think is a Cairo on his helmet um, is like, it's like a, a fraction of a millimeter big. Right. And so yep. there's all these questions, which is like, uh, you know, there's like uh, just like how how much of a big deal, like how much difference did this make in people's lives? You know, uh, what, what, like was this, was this utterly transformative, a sign that nothing would ever be the same again? Or was it sort of ho-hum, you know? And I just but I think like what's splendid about um, uh, so the, the coin designs of yours that I've been able to see is that um, you see actually this like level of attention to detail where now mm -hmm. you you know you know exactly like you said you're sort of bringing in all these different multiple um, media and uh, art talents that you've that you've built up uh, over the course of the years and you can see the see the way in which these are working. Um, of course, I have the privilege of seeing them blown up, right? So I can see I can see some of the detail, you know. But I did mm -hmm. want to particularly highlight that. Um, that one you were one of the ones you were talking about for the Royal Mint, um, which is uh, I encourage everybody to, to, to check this out on his website, uh, ChrisCosello.design, which is um, there's this amazing HG uh, Wells 2021 UK two pound two pound coin. Uh, this is fantastic because it's 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 the sort of the alien spaceship from the War of the Worlds, and then there's like this dandy 19th century gentleman's suit with a with a top hat, and of course there's nothing in between for the Invisible Man. Um, and this is like really nice, uh, very like lovely detail um, about the way in which the swoop of the of the spaceship matches the the circle of the inner. Uh, silver ring of the coin, which then swoops down to the collar of the dandy 18th, the 19th century gentleman's um, <coughs> collar, and then the whole is sort of surmounted by these, um, uh, by a, a clock face, you know, so that you so that you get also the um, the time machine sort of in it as well. And it's this wonderful sense of like attention to detail and sort of bringing everything out, you know. Um, and I guess I could just. Um, I, I, just to begin that sort of sense of like design and how you manage design, I wonder if you just comment about like, um, I mean, there's more there than just a pastiche of like interesting um, visual elements from from H.G. Wells stories, right? I mean, like here's mm -hmm. this, it's creating a whole new visual language and a whole new visual design. Um, I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about like that process of um composing an image taking taking symbols that exist and turning them into a new visual language um sort of directing people's attention in a certain way um recognizing like the the limitations of your own medium that like when you're done this is going to be again something so small in somebody's coin in somebody's pocket that you know will they notice it won't they notice it like what how do you how do you begin to make those kinds of design decisions yeah uh, that's a great question uh, because honestly, I'm kind of uh, consistently and continually still learning uh, about this. Uh, it's uh, when I uh, became a coin designer, I, like you said, I had no idea how it was done, and the fact that there are people behind the creative process. Um, and as I, you know, learned the process, uh, I thought, you know, this is just fascinating that I can actually participate in this. So, um, yeah, I mean, working. I think one of the one of the challenges is it's is you know you're working with a circular canvas, a very small one as well, and yet in many cases we're kind of tasked with bringing a number of different visual ideas into some kind of iconic form that is recognizable instantly, and that is a huge challenge to try to pull in um, you know various things that say people want to see on a coin. 
uh, you know, I mean, the stakeholders and, and th those involved in the actual process. Uh, it takes a lot of, uh, <laughs> I guess, discipline, a lot of, well, a lot of sketching, a lot of uh, taking a look at what works and what doesn't work. There's a lot of, uh, a pro a lot of process of elimination, I'd have to say. A lot of my designs um, for coinage, um, I mean, they may never see the light of day uh, because they they, although they, they seemed to solve one problem, they didn't really solve another, and it wasn't really quite what it needed to be or it didn't quite work. Uh, but it was through that process you you ultimately get to something that, that actually works. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I guess it's a thinking thing. I, I guess what it is really is I, I find a lot of my creative process happens while I'm at rest or uh, even whether I'm walking or even just before I go to bed or sleep, it's like, I, I seem to visualize things better when my eyes are closed <laughs> and I can actually begin to compose things and see things kind of come together. Um, as I'm, you know, meditating or just quietly contemplating. So, uh, I do a lot of sketching in my head actually. And, and a lot of these forms and, 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 uh, shapes and typography and visuals I tend to vi I just tend to see them before I, I actually bring pencil to paper you know and it's like oh that looks cool like yeah I, I can see that you know so I think a lot of it is just um and you know honestly I I not to not I, I probably need to be doing this more when I first started I was like praying before every design it's just you know, God, just give me inspiration, something, because this is very difficult, you know, and I don't even know where to begin. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so that, I mean, the inspiration this is, is really a, a major part of the creative process, because it's, you know, like a lot of these coin design concepts, um, there are so many different ideas, so many different directions, history, culture, people, uh, military, uh, it's, civil rights, you know, all the, the vast, you know, story of, of not of American history, uh, British history, um, culture, you know, just every project is, 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 is so different. So, um, yeah, it's almost like this is, I, I can't do this alone. <laughs> I've got to have some, 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 uh, some help really. I have some, I just got to let the mind go and, and, things things happen I mean not all my designs get chosen but there's a number of artists that are incredibly talented that also contribute um, uh, but uh, when I when I do get a design chosen it's definitely an exciting it seems like it's always, it's like the first time you know it's like oh wow it's it happened again it's like wow that's gonna be a coin so uh, yeah so it's uh, yeah just kind of listening listening to what 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 I see or watching what I see and then once I just exercise the the mind, then I just begin to bring it down on paper and uh, and and have it come to fruition. So that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and I did notice that uh, I could hardly escape but noticing that uh, in one of your uh, 400th anniversary of the Mayflower coins uh, that you did uh, deploy rarely actually for for your own visual design uh, from what's on your on your portfolio. Um, a sort of modified papyrus uh, on that, so it sees a little, sees, sees a little bit of a display uh, in, your, in some of the, at least one of the coin designs. Yeah, actually, it was one of the, the one of the medals. I figured this this is the this is an appropriate place for it. Um, 
it was it was with a one of the part of the Native American story. So, um, and it worked. And I tried everything. Other so many different fonts, but it's like huh. and I was almost trying not to use papyrus because it is you know can be overused or or inappropriately used. But I, I decided this this works. It works better than any thing that I've tried. And there it was. So <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, I wonder. I wonder <clears throat> if we um could we go back to that sort of genesis uh, mm-hmm. moment that you were talking about, where um, because this is um. You know, you think about how how a font, how a typeface gets made, you know, there's lots of different um I mean you, you might think a couple of couple of Swiss dudes, you know, in a in a chalet somewhere, or you might think, you know, um uh sixteenth, seventeenth, seventeenth century uh <clears throat> Uh, men actually carving a piece of wood or forging a piece of metal or whatever you know there's there's different processes by which uh by which a uh one designs a typeface but um mm-hmm. the the sort of process that you have kind of very begun to outline for us is something that's really um distinctive and uh that i i just i would love to hear a bit more about um so you you've mentioned that this was sort of rose in some context of like thinking about the Bible, imagining something about this in your own spiritual experience or whatever. But I wonder if you wouldn't mind just uh, whatever you want to share from that, yeah, sure. whether the spirit, sure. the spiritual reality or just the whole context in which this thing came into being. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I started, I had, I had paper, <laughs> I had paper in front of me. I had all kinds of paper samples and uh, I pulled some with a lot of tooth on it. Uh, it was almost like a watercolor paper or paper. Hmm. And uh, I've always been, uh, I mean, I, I, I love, you know, doodling, but when I get my calligraphy pens, that's a kind of a different level of doodling. It's like you just do a lot of, you know, the Spencerian scripts, the swashes. I just had, you just, it's something you can really have a lot of fun with. Um, I honestly don't know where the alphabet came from. I think I was just, what it, what, what it started out was, I was, I was, um, just writing names of cities in the Middle East, and uh, and I was thinking, you know, almost like you know, a little mix of Egyptian and or Roman kind of culture. Something was in there. Uh, the idea of the hieroglyphics, and it was just the brush. The, I mean, the uh, the pen. I was just kind of letting the swashes go. It just seemed like it, it became very fluid. And very uh, natural and organic. The way, as I was determined that these are what the characters are going to be as I'm writing these words, uh, and then I step back from it, and I'm thinking, hmm, I like the way that E looks, and I like the way that A kind of got it's got that higher bar. It's almost or the crossbar is almost like a on an angle, and and I just began to explore, and it was all I started out with all uppercase uh, sure. lettering. So in that sense, it was very Roman, uh, very feathery, very light uh, and wispy. Um, I had a, I developed a, a set of uh, like these large um, initial caps that are kind of like, almost like the uh, illustrative uh, biblical um, uh, illuminated text, although not as complicated, uh, like the large B and then the smaller, you know, uh, whatever afterwards. 
So, um, <clears throat> so I had this large caps, small caps. It ver read very Roman. It, ver it was very stately. It was very, uh, really cool. And, and I ult ultimately just, let me just play with some letters. So I started doing a rows of A's, rows of B's, rows of C's. This is what I learned in calligraphy class to master each character. You do entire pages, rows of just the single character. So I was doing that alphabet, alphabet, you know, just from A to Z. Then I'd experiment with numbers, the numeric system, the, the, the numerals were beautiful. Um, and uh, I ended up putting it together like a, a small proposal. I figured, why don't I see if this can go anywhere? So, um, so I, I, I made a proposal, I put together the best, you know, the, of the font, I would select the best character from every uh, uh, one of the, the characters in the alphabet, best numbers, punctuations. And I put a, a, a piece together and sent it out to typography uh, distributors. Like uh, at the time, uh, there were, well, this is before uh, digital fonts, there were, um, you know, like companies like CompuGraphic, very typer. These are companies that uh, produced um, typography. It was digital, but it wasn't like desktop digital. It wasn't like available for everybody. It was, uh, uh, they, they, they created font software that was commercial. Um, and they distributed their own uh, fonts as well. Uh, let's see, ITC was a, the ITC Corporation was International Typeface Corporation was another one. I think I, I sent my uh, alphabet to maybe 10 different um, companies and I was rejected by every single one because as they kept on coming back, the, the rejection letters kept on back coming back to me saying, uh, it's too thin. It wouldn't hold up on a, on a computer as a, uh, on mm. a computer films. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, a lot of these topography at the time, I think it was, uh, it was like line, not linotype, but I'm not sure how the process was, but they would make a, a, a negative, uh, a, an actual like a vinyl negative of the font. And it would be, it was like photo tech phototype, you know, um, don't, fully understand that process but everybody got back to me and said no it's not going to work <laughs> except one company and that was letterpress um and they were a british company that produced the uh you're probably familiar with the old uh press type like transfer lettering vinyl letters that you would rub off um and they were the ones that were very interested in it but what they wanted me to do was develop a set of lowercase characters uh, they said that, that it's very wispy. We like the, the way it looks, but it, it would not hold up um, in their production process of making these transfer letters. So, so they asked me to thicken them up and do a, a set of um, a lowercase characters for uh, just to be able to, it, it would be much more marketable if it had the full, full character set. So I did my same uh, routine with everything I did with the, uh, uh, the capital letters I did with the lowercase letters, just started uh, writing uh, words, scriptures, uh, 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 word clouds kind of in uh, using a lot of lowercase letters. And I developed the lowercase thing where some of the ascenders or descenders are a little bit more extended or maybe a little bit right. more elongated than normal. Um, and I pulled together uh, a lowercase uh, font set that was comparable and uh, compatible with the uppercase 
and they look good together. Um, so I resubmitted. They uh, they uh, took a look at it and uh, approved that. Uh, they said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take this on." So so they paid me to develop. Um, after we, you know, signed the agreement that we, I would have an, ex they would have an exclusive ownership of the font and their distribution throughout the world. They had a worldwide reach. Uh, I figured, again, I was, I was 23 years old, so I thought I like uh, got a, it's like getting a record contract or, or you know, movie deal or something like that. I felt, oh, really? It's amazing. So, <clears throat> yeah, just out of college. So I spent the whole summer um, creating. I, I, the the originals were, you know. Legit. It just it was lettered maybe you know half inch high a quarter inch half inch high just regular um you know hand done human size uh lettering and then i uh i ended up the process was i took you know the individual characters that i wanted to use blew them up to about uh three four inches high developed each character prepared each letter uh to be reproduced on their end i gave them a stack of uh hard copies of these of each um, individual letter number punctuation and even some foreign characters were in there uh, and then they uh, they uh, did everything they needed to do on their end scanned it all and made them into these uh, press type sheets the blue sheets they had the blue vinyl with the the, the um, uh, black letters and uh, and that was it and so I've been able to you know just uh, collect royalties off of that since uh, since its inception, 1984, I believe it was, when it all came together. Wow, and we're so. still talking about it right now, this, this design project you did on a whim I know. in 84. <clears throat> I, I want to throw something in here. I wonder if you'll agree with this. There seems to be in your work, and this isn't solo to you. I mean, this is this is definitely the experience of like video editors I've talked to, um, you know, even s some of the work, although probably the considerable minority of the work I've done where there's this real juxtaposition between how hard you're working on something mm -hmm. and its efficacy being based in how subtle and unnoticeable it is. Right. Like yeah. I, I've talked to those movie editors and they're saying like, if I do my job right, you don't even notice that I had a job, <laughs> yep. you know? And, and in a similar way, you know, you're designing a quarter that you of course would hope would catch someone's eye, but it's sort of made to be this subtle thing. Likewise, you're crafting these fonts over the, you know, in, in the case of Papyrus, crafting these fonts over the course of six months and putting all this effort into the little, you know, loops and the, the swooshes and all this stuff. And someone's just going and hammering it out on, on a typewriter and now a, a laptop. And there seems to be this crazy juxtaposition there. So I'd like you to speak to that. But but then you have a weird experience, too, with Papyrus, where insofar as I think it's possible for a font to be a household name, Papyrus has become kind of a household name. It's sort of like Times New Roman. If anybody knows any fonts at all, they know Times New Roman, they know Papyrus, they know Comic Sans. Comic Sans, yeah. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> you know, so you you have this career where... Again, correct me if I'm wrong, you're putting all this detail into stuff that's ultimately kind of supposed to go unnoticed a little bit. And then suddenly this thing gets memefied in the broader zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. That just must have been crazy. Can you talk about both sides of that experience? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, when I created it, I uh, honestly, I had no idea that it would be used for everything. Yeah, it, <laughs> everything. I, 
And it's and it still is. And this is what I know uh, causes a great deal of frustration with graphic designers, because um, I mean, no intention at all. When I was developing it, I was thinking it's there's a narrow scope of usage, you know. Um, again, it, it was either biblical, historical, medieval, um, even geographically, you know, more Middle Eastern, Southern Europe, you know, Roman. Um, so I had no idea. It, it, for me, my idea, it, it, was a no, it was a novelty font. It was just one of those mm -hmm. things that, you know, you, you only use it sparingly in appropriate spots. Um, and when it went through the whole process of being produced um and again you're right the, the the detail and the 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 attention that is paid to every character it was you know it's kind of mind-blowing everything had to be when you're doing type design i mean you're kind of designing within that confine of the box but and everything the negative space is incredibly important and the positioning of all the little nicks and things that seem to be random are are actually strategic they are there's a there's balance you know um, so yeah, there was a lot of that stuff that I just, I guess it was just out of the love of the art that I really got into it, you know, just something that was just coming out of me. So I, I love the, the focus on the detail there. And then when it was done, it was like, okay, great. I got, I got this font that's to my name and the catalogs came back with the 1984 releases of the new fonts from Letraset. And that was like so exciting. And then, and they used the font in various, you know, possible ways to use it. And again, it was in historical context, and it was it was appropriate. Uh, and then it was out there, and it was on on its way. And then I started seeing it's the, the font started turning up in. Uh, I saw it in I believe it was a National Geographic, um, very appropriately used for just one headline. I think it has something to do with Santa Fe, and Native Amer American culture. Um, there was another like destination ad I saw in some other magazine. It started cropping up a little bit, so. It was great to see it. It was cool because it, it it's like rare. It, it was a rare appearance. And then all of a sudden, oh, there it is. Look at that. I, so <clears throat> that was the intent. I didn't realize, I didn't mean for it to, to blow up. What, what happened was, and I was informed of this um, through, um, I can't remember who owned the font at the time, but it's it had gone through a series of ownerships. And with the font, the type companies buying each other out there were all kinds of different uh i was just kind of contract holder in the background and seeing a lot of different um mergers happening with the with the type dis 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 distributors uh but somewhere in the i think it was the early 90s uh i was uh told that the uh, papyrus is going to be included <clears throat> in the default font sets for all microsoft and uh, uh mac computers so it was part of their uh, the the default system uh, font catalog, so it was a kind of a re redoing and an updating of the contract, and you know I, I would be be paid appropriately for for this kind of broader uh, reach. But when that was agreed upon, and Microsoft and and uh, Apple took it on, that was it. I mean, once people scroll down, I don't know if you see that. Avatar Saturday Night Live skit, but oh yeah, we've seen down it. <laughs> and boop, papyrus. Oh, there's there's that there's that artsy font. Let me use that one. <laughs> it's, it's so different. It's just so it's unique. It's but um, 
you know, I mean, you can't use it for everything. But like you said, I see it. And a lot of people see it everywhere. The yoga studios, the church bulletins, uh, the, um, and again, I think the church bulletins were probably one of the, the proper contexts. Uh, but I've seen them with like construction logos, construction company yeah. logos, mortgage companies use it. It's like, it's like a personal favorite font that happens to, you know, I happen to be a real estate agent and let me just, I want to use papyrus for my logo. You know, that's, that's kind of like what, what happened. So, you know, I, I, you mentioned the native American thing and that actually mm -hmm. raises a point. Cause as I was doing, you know, I'm aware of my own experience with papyrus, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just to let you in, I mean, my, on my first date with my now wife, you know, we, we, it was a Sunday. We went to mass first before we got brunch and everything else. And, you know, there's this beautiful little church in, in Pittsburgh where I grew up at St. Stanislaus. It's a traditional Polish church. Pope St. John Paul II prayed there when he visited Pittsburgh. And there's a, you can kneel on his altar and stuff. And, mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> the ceiling is coated with traditional Polish, like, war paintings. And the walls are coated with laminated placards of papyrus. I mean, like, literally, just it's just everywhere. Laminated. It's freaking everywhere. But yeah. then as I was researching... <clears throat> Other uses of this font, it didn't even occur to me that this would be ubiquitous in other people's faith traditions as well. I was reading, and I want to pull up to get his, his name right, but I was reading an article in First American Art Magazine uh, by a fellow called Roy Boney Jr. Mm -hmm. And he thankfully doesn't go after you at all for this, um, but he does uh, get, get very kind of snipey, and perhaps rightfully so, where he talks about, he says, this font has taken on the identity of a let's get back to nature vibe embraced by the New Agers and hippies. The book you mm -hmm. saw at the gift shop that helps you find your Native American genealogy, the title is Papyrus. Or what about the t-shirt with the generic buckskin Indian maiden idling by the stream? That Native pride text across the chest is more than likely written in Papyrus. What about the flyer for the big powwow this weekend? Chances are Indian tacos is emblazoned on it somewhere in Papyrus. Yeah. And look, you could be, I mean, you're making the point, and I think this is certainly an ingredient in this, that, that some of the ubiquity here is is based on the fact that it's, if I'm scrolling through Microsoft Word, you know, to the layman, to the non-graphic designer, all these fonts look exactly the same. And then they come across this really beautiful, different one. And, and I think that we can't understate that, <clears throat> that, is, that is part of this. But I want to entertain a theory here. You're talking about the historicity of this font uh, a lot. But is it possible, and Father Gabriel, I want you to weigh in on this too. I mean, I just want to talk about this for a second. Is it possible for an for an art form, and specifically like a subtle art form like a font, to just feel spiritual, to just connotate spirituality in a way that makes the Christian minister, the DRE in the Catholic Church, the Native American, you know, independent books publisher, all these folks say like this speaks to something about what what spirituality feels like and i want to put that in there and because I, the reason i want to ask the question is you know we're, we're sponsored by this this group catholic creative so I'll, I'll talk more about in a few minutes here and so many of those designers you know are are bending over backwards to try to create art that evokes a spiritual response and we can talk about the merits of that you know till we're blue in the face but you maybe kind of stumbled into just doing it for everyone universally. And if you did stumble into that, we, I think it deserves to be unpacked and explored a little bit. Hmm. What do you think of that idea? Um, well, well, for better or worse, 
it is what it is. It just that you know that that it came out of, of uh, out of a kind of a spiritual awakening of my own, um, and it, it's true. It's I mean, I really think that that was pretty much the, the context, and I, it seems appropriate for you know like like you say the other spiritual um, usages. I, I I do see it a lot uh, with the New Age groups and the um even uh, uh well, even indian hindu it's i i'd say worldwide yes it's it's probably uh applicable to uh every kind of religious or spiritual group um but you know i, I honestly i haven't given it that that kind of thought i mean it's, it's it's something to think about because uh uh yeah there it is and again it's at the drop the drop down menu it is something that does stand out like you say a lot of the fonts look the same you get you know there's only so much you can do with with you know the serif font there and there there are a few novelty fonts that are included but but this one papyrus just seems to it's it speaks to somebody some people very strongly and some uh, they, some people really love it and and really want to utilize it uh, others just are they can't they can't stand it, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember I had a blog uh, just just for fun. I threw something up uh, probably about 15 years ago um, just to kind of open it up to see, you know, it was like papyrus, love it or hate it. You know, what what I wanted to pull people in, see what they thought. Um, and it was literally 50-50. I mean, there was people that just... They they really loved it, and I oh there was almost this bantering going back and forth between the commenters about you know I mean I have I would have people contact me literally from around the world just to write a paper on me and my development of the font because they're infatuated with it and they're and then they'd show me their portfolio of of work that they did with uh, the font with the usage and um but then there were others that just hated it and they were just you know how you can get online uh you're, in, you're anonymous <laughs> so you just let it all out and it's like i had to shut it down because i was constantly having to moderate this noise and this craziness that it's like okay i don't need this i mean i appreciate the, the the banter but it was just it got a little out of control and i was and I, again i had to moderate and and comment back and i was engaging with some of these people and it just got out of control so i shut it down um and that's that's worded. And that was 15 years ago. And and like I can't wow. believe, yeah, <laughs> it's Amazing. just still rolling. It's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Father Gabriel, I want to actually get your thoughts on this idea too. Of like, can can something just feel spiritual in that way? And maybe I'm full of crap, but but I I, I think yeah. it's a, an idea I, worth I exploring. It... Before you get to that though, before I turn yep, it over to sorry. you, I did a few minutes ago. Um, mention how uh, mentioned Catholic creatives, and I think this is probably a good time to pause and just uh, give some light to them. Um, we are at Created Things, uh, the podcast brought to you, the listener, by both Catholic Creatives and Catholic Store. Uh, Catholic Creatives is actually a very cool organization. It's dedicated to igniting uh, what what they call a new renaissance of faith through prayer and beauty and the creative spirit. And to do this, they're, they're connecting and supporting and promoting artists and innovators and makers and storytellers from kind of across the faith tradition. But it takes a community to bring these big ideas to life. So I invite you to discern supporting our Patreon. 
by doing so, you're you're not only helping this podcast, this this very podcast that you're listening to, bring bring on guests like Chris Costello, but but you're also directly contributing to future Catholic Creatives workshops, uh, summits, resources meant to support Catholic artists around the country. And you'll be also getting an inside track on all of those activities as well with access to our member-only Facebook group. I remember I was a very, very early kind of adopter, if you will, of, of Catholic Creatives myself. I was one of the first members. And when I got that invite to attend the one of the first summits down in Texas, it was the craziest sort of Christian conference I've ever been to. I mean, it was like going to someone's bohemian wedding and it just happened to be an artist's retreat. It was fantastic. And I would love for as many people to be able to participate in a future one of those as possible. So I, I again, would encourage you guys to just prayerfully discern going over to catholiccreatives.org forward slash support. Um, and in addition there, you can find uh, beautiful products from Catholic Creatives, makers, artisans, and artists at, at catholic.store. Don't give your money away to the man, to big tech conglomerates or factories overseas. Support Catholic artists and small business locally by, by shopping at catholic.store today. So without further ado, I mean, you know, Father Gabriel, do you think this idea that I'm, I'm throwing out there holds any merit? I mean, part of me thinks, Chris, that you know, you designed this font as kind of an expression of your own faith journey, and it's maybe that authenticity that's speaking to people, that your own spirituality is kind of coming through, and people are taking up the spiritual baton. But again, maybe I'm pie in the sky full of crap. I mean, what do you think, Father? You know, I this is something I want to press into, which is which is the way in which. Um, the script itself, a mode of writing, a typeface can, um, what does it evoke? How does it, you know, these things like, you know, they, a design choice like that, it like, it poses questions, it answers questions, it opens certain doors, like it encourages you to look at things in certain ways. Um, uh, and I and I really do want to press uh, on with that a little bit to like look a little bit further into like specifically what Papyrus does with that. But these things do kind of begin to take on a life of their own, and uh, that isn't always connected with um, uh, the the whole broader context in which the thing exists. So, like for instance, like concretely speaking, you think like heavy black letter gothic uh, in the contemporary moment, and you think like. And you're, uh, if you're, if you're like a super kind of, um, a certain kind of super Catholic, you're going to think like advertisements for the Latin Mass. If you're anybody <laughs> else in the world, you're going to think death metal bands. Um, <laughs> there's nothing in between. Um, if you think like Fraktur, you think Nazis. You know, uh, even though like Fraktur was like the way that the, the people wrote in German, uh, in typeface for you know. Uh, whatever 300 years plus uh that was an extension of just just the way that gothic letter forms developed in uh the german-speaking part of you know uh the realm and all these kinds of things so um i so there's a way in which these things that that like a kind of letter writing uh, for a for, way of forming a letter can begin to like create create its own evocations create its own expectations from the viewer of the way what they should be feeling what they should be expecting when they're looking at it um but it's it's useful to point out that that can also be deceptive right i mean like so i you know working with medieval stuff like you have to spend a lot of time getting used to manuscripts and all these kinds of things and 
Uh, I work in the Carolingian period, and so you look at a Carolingian manuscript, like it just um, it looks like. Um, or especially like maybe like an Anglo-Saxon one because it has this like very distinctive letter forms and you just, it looks like it communicates to you this very dramatic reality of like, especially if you don't read Latin and you just look at the page, communicates this very strong like medieval Christianity, Bible commentary, you know, like saints, all this kind of stuff. But if you can read it, you know, like it might be, it might be like a recipe for al- for alchemy. You know, it might be like, um, it might be a a piece of dirty poetry, you know, um, or it could be anything, right? Like, so the point is like that's what's so interesting about letter forms and uh, and and typography is that it it can in fact represent anything, but the mind ends up, and then culturally we end up carving out out of that potentially infinite anything, we end up carving out these smaller symbolic modes in which we expect this to communicate. So that's a thought, you know. But I do kind of want to, I kind of want to press on that actually because, so here's a, here's a story from, um, I have a very dear friend who um, she you know, uh, um, she's very interesting, very, uh, very successful woman and, you know, 9-11 happens and she's just really torn story up story that begins with 9-11 happens. 9-11 happens. Yeah, right. Story. It's big, right? <laughs> so like, so she's really torn up. She's thinking and she's praying about these, like, uh, the orphans, like the 9-11 orphans, you know? Um, and she's like thinking like, what can I do for them? What can I do for them? What can I do for them? Um, this is a woman who hadn't, re- re- you know, written anything in you know much much in her life um and she has this idea that she's gonna she's gonna write like a book of poetry and give it to them um and if like she's connected woman by complicated means this ends up happening and she writes this book of poetry like she sort of like teaches herself to write poetry and she writes this book of sort of like inspirational poetry for 9-11 orphans um that like connections they distribute it to the 9-11 orphans actually it really does Every wow. single word of this book, from the front cover to the Library of Congress page to the to the back imprint, and all the poetry in between, is in papyrus. <laughs> now that's that's deep. Wow. <laughs> it's I just like there is something here. Mm-hmm. How does this communicate? You know, like there's something dramatic about the way that this communicates. You know, and I and I and I agree with you that like. So there is something about just the distinctiveness of the font. As you say, it's a novelty font. It catches the eye. It's different from from just like the, the thousand different variations of Garamond or or whatever. But I don't know. Do you have a sense? Like what? Um, how does this font communicate? I guess that's my question. Like, how does it communicate? What does it communicate? It, it, it must. Um, it, it's got to grab people. I think it does. I think it grabs people in somewhere in, in the a guttural sense or something inside in order to motivate them to, to use it for whatever. Um, so I think it, it's, it's unique. It seems, uh, I mean, as a piece of, as, as artwork, it's, it's unique. It's to the point where it, it gets copied. I mean, there's, there's uh, pirated versions of not just the font being distributed, the actual papyrus font, but very similar types of uh, uh, fonts that are obvious ripoffs. I mean, I can tell 
because uh. there's like there's a connection, <clears throat> you know, and that that may be something too, because I can tell when I see uh, the the when I see papyrus, there's this I don't know something happens inside. It's like oh, you know, there it is. It's 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 like a reflection uh, again from 1984 or whatever, you know. It it there's it's storied, but I can also tell when it's been copied and manipulated and reshaped and resold it's like i know exactly what i did with that letter a and i know exactly where i put that nick and there it is i know that form that curve that swash that's me <laughs> so um and that's that's the the initial that's that's the artist creation kind of speaking back to me i, I suppose but maybe in some way, other people who had not haven't created the font maybe get that same kind of, I don't know, like a human connection. Because, I mean, it is it's it's calligraphy. It's not, uh, you know, a, a, a computer generate. Well, it's not like a, it's very fluid and organic. You know, I, we know you know from history shows that you know when, when you're talking about even Roman um chiseled fonts those are created by human hands but there's a perfection a symmetry a a, a cleanness about it uh, a, a precise design whereas papyrus was is very it's it's a hand lettering it's a it's a human form um and it's spontaneous um and i think i've captured that uh, even though we've kind of had you know we made it into a digital product um it still it, it retains the essence of its of human expression, and a, a very few fonts do that. I think me, I mean, knowing other types of fonts and, and even, uh, I mean, I'm a, a type, type typographic enthusiast. Uh, I love typography. <clears throat> I love innovative designs, um, and I, I have other favorites. You know, and I'm, I'm honestly papyrus is. I did it for what it was for its purpose. I can't say it's my favorite font, although it is my <laughs> baby, you know, uh, but I, there are all kinds of fonts out there that are just, the, you know, even the newer ones are just, uh, oh, it's beautiful, you know, innovative, uh, artistic. Uh, they, somebody really strategized with that one, you know, the, the kerning, uh, the way they interlock with each other, the, each character. Um, but there's something unique about papyrus that I think millions of people tend to agree. <laughs> so, and they run with yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I think you make an interesting point, right? Because, you know, we're starting off with this idea of, yeah, you scroll through and it just looks different. But mm -hmm. why does it look different? Because of the humanity of it and the hand-doneness of it. And, and that inevitably is going to be spiritual. But I don't know. Maybe I'll just toss it over to the listener to, to pray about and consider, but I, you know, Father Gabriel and I on, on this podcast have talked a lot or at least alluded to a lot, the difference between, um, art, which is sort of by definition free of agenda, right? It, mm -hmm. it allows you to react to it as you react to it. You can love papyrus or you can hate papyrus with your whole self, right? Mm -hmm. Um, versus, what I would call uh, propaganda or what Father Gabriel often refers to as being, you know, emotionally manipulative where there's, I, I want a very specific point to come across. And I think the problem, if I can be so bold with a lot of quote unquote Christian art 
is that it falls into the latter category. It's very agendaed. Um, and, and from everything you're saying, you know, you sat down and you, you didn't seek to just create like the Jesus-y font or the spiritual mm -hmm. font because you want people to use it that way. You sought to create a free expression of where you were at spiritually at that point. And it just happened to touch something in some people. And exactly. I think that's really indicative of, of what successful art does. Yeah. Because it was, it was, it was very spontaneous. It was simply a handwritten font, a handwriting uh, uh, that I just happened to gear in in this direction, not a political direction or religious direction. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just what I was feeling at the time, and um, I don't know. It just the the the, the, the like I said, the the elongated uh, uh, ascenders and descenders, and the kind of a little bit of a extended quality of uh, of the the character itself uh, that was just a yeah it was a factor of this is where I'm at now this is what I'm feeling now this is you know how you know design and art is is actually it's therapeutic when you create you just you feel like you're you're somehow living up to your purpose you're 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 channeling something out it's it's and it's hard to pinpoint even <laughs> what the feeling is, but I mean, I'm trying to dig deeper here, but it's just, uh, it's, it happened. It's just, that's what my hand and that's what my mind uh, was, was working on at the moment. And again, the, the, I, I was thinking in terms of, uh, like I said, you know, the, the illustrative or the illuminated manuscripts, what I had known, uh, from my, you know, study of, of history and, but this was, I wanted something fresh and new. So this was my contribution to, um, yeah, whatever, whatever, I guess, spiritual direction this was heading. If I can interject one of the other things, Chris, that you, you did mention earlier that you alluded to is, um, in addition to all the people we're talking about who love it and resonate with papyrus, awful lot of people who hate it to frankly a weird degree. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we live in a time where hating something can, can very much be the basis of your whole identity. Um, so that's not surprising, but I mean, you know, it, it has sort of become enough of a part of the zeitgeist that even as you mentioned, I mean, it made it on SNL. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, how, you know, you know, you're successful as an artist if you get parodied by Weird Al or you end up on SNL. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. the, there, there it is, right? Um, and this is something that I, as an artist, have experienced before. I mean, one of my worst experiences as an artist was when um, a guy who was like basically a consultant to a company I was branding, I hadn't liked the brand. They, the company liked the brand. He hadn't liked the brand. He ended up posting the brand to this like designers review board um not telling anyone that he'd been involved in the process and being like is doesn't this brand suck doesn't this logo suck and just got like all these people just, just say awful awful stuff to be able to basically go back and prove his point to the company um and and you mentioned you know how cruel people can be online mm -hmm. but i would argue that we have a responsibility as artists especially as christian artists to to do better and to be a little bit more self-aware in terms of of providing critique or offering our opinion, especially when 
in as in your case with papyrus hey guys the design's done so there's no such thing as constructive criticism at this point i'm not going to go back and recreate papyrus <laughs> right and and i mean can you just talk about your own experience on that side of it and also what advice you'd maybe have to any artist who has been kind of pseudo crucified that way for their art and their yeah. shit unfairly yeah um well i've learned you, you have to defend your 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 art you have to defend your your uh, your voice um and again with the prolifera proliferation of this uh you know the social media thing and, and again anonymous people can get up there and just vent and and it just really crucify people it's it's no wonder you get such anxiety issues with younger mm. people dealing with this kind of this this level that this type of social engagement um and yeah, I've experienced it. it. And I'm talking crazy. I'm talking like uh, when Avatar first came out and uh, they used the, 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 the papyrus or derivative of it for the title and they used it for the, uh, the, the, the alien speak, the, the subtitles. Um, I found somewhere that somebody wanted to kill me because of it. Oh and, my god! No, yeah. no, you're not. You're not serious. No, I'm serious. I'm actually serious. And then I'm like, <laughs> what, what no? is this? And you know, I mean, I t I took it like you know, I, and and I <laughs> I found out who the guy was, and I got as much profile information on him as I could, and I have photos of him. The guy, he, he was kind of a moron because he's just one of those. Hey, I know who you are, but I didn't. I didn't. I stayed in the. I don't know. It was probably one of those. You know bold kind of idiot things that people do because they feel empowered but uh and then other people kind of chimed in and kind of found out where i lived and oh, posted whoa. a map uh whoa. But, it, but it wasn't it wasn't me it was another chris costello that lives whoa. and, and oh, i God. know this person it's like what is oh the no with, what is the matter with these people um so there was a little bit of uh concern but then there was like whoa I guess this is this is this is where I need to take it up to the next level to defend what I do and be an artist and realize to whatever extreme that you're not people aren't going to agree with you. I think the more the more you you put stuff out there that I mean it's not even controversial. It's like it's not even a it's political or religious. Yeah, you didn't statement. paint it in blood. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I I ruined somebody's Avatar experience, the movie or whatever. I don't know. It's uh... hey, James Cameron ruined somebody's Avatar experience. Okay, <laughs> that movie is a debacle. All right, let's just be honest. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, it's like first of all, I, I, it's like all right, there's some pretty pretty nuts. There's crazy people out there that uh, whatever. It's just this is gonna happen if you're gonna if you put yourself out there. Maybe this is my advice to artists. You're an artist, all right? So you're going to put yourself out there and people are going to see your work and they're going to comment, you know. Um, but I think it was Bill Maher that said something to the effect of uh, talking about people who critique others. Um, it's like, hey, you didn't design it the way I wanted to or I would have if I had talent. You know, you've got these <laughs> kinds of uh, critiques out there that they're coming from out of the woodwork you know ragging on your work but hey i'm the one who did it what are you doing you know i'm the one who uh spent months developing this thing and and uh 
you know, got all these rejection letters that told me, you know, it's, I interpreted it like, oh, I guess it's it's no good. It's nothing. I'm I'm not a great, you know, I'm not a typographer at all. You know, you go through this development and, and building of your own character, and you finally get it to the point where, all right, here's there's the art for the world, and then you got the commenters, you got the the, the haters. They're they're just, I mean, I get it with it with everything. You know, you get that. You know, some of the coin designs, some of the. Uh, there are people there's, who get that pissed off about coins. Yeah, there's 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 <laughs> microcosms of of interests, you know that yeah, it's there there are these narrow groups of people that are just offended by, uh, an interpretation or a I mean oh all the time I mean oh oh man don't don't offend the numismatists man <laughs> they're they're out there they're yeah, out there they're yeah. they're ready to rage that's right They'll, that's right yeah. they know they know how they know how Google Maps works yep. So, I mean, so this is it. I mean, it's like, this is, if you want to be a, a creative and you want to have influence over many, you know, worldwide reach, international reach, whatever, you're just, you're, it's going to happen. You have to learn how to toughen up with it, you know, and, and, uh, stay strong. I mean, you, you're the creator, you know, you're the creator. Just keep creating. Don't stop, you know, so. But would you say, I mean, do you think it's too far of me to say that that's also a symbol that it's that it's good art? Like if everybody sort of universally likes something or alternatively mm. universally just doesn't care about something, then it's probably not very good art mm -hmm. or very effective at the very least to use design school terminology. But you have something that people like passionately love and put all over their worship spaces, the most vulnerable part of their life. Mm. And something that people say, I want to kill you or it maybe at least myself over. I mean, you're basically <laughs> creating the design version of a crusade. It seems to me. <laughs> and that seems to me like to indicate that it's good art. And, and is that a comfort? Is that a cold comfort uh, that artists I, I offer think, themselves? I think it is because I mean, I can, I ha I can critique it, uh, unbiased I, I can give an unbiased uh a critique of of the, the thing i look at it and i think it's i created it with purpose uh i like it i think it's well designed i think it's extremely unique there's nothing out there like it except the copies that people have you know pirated <laughs> um really there's nothing comes comes close and i can say i just say that i guess with pride in the the kind of the face of of um those who critique it um and even especially some of the designers graphic designers who go off on it you know i'd have to ask them i mean how many fonts have you designed that are that commercially successful it's um, hard it's, not, it's, it's really not hard i've never designed easy. a font because it's so yeah. i mean just the math level alone with the oh, and tracking and, and the, then you yeah, get yeah. into X the heights uh, and i've it's too intimidated yeah um I mean, I, I designed five, I believe, at this point. Um, and actually, interestingly, another font called Blackstone. I don't know if you've kind of yeah, yeah. used the website. There's another kind of a very medieval, very focused, almost Dungeons and Dragons type of, of uh, font that was clearly meant for um, blacksmith shops or, you know, 12th century uh, uh, manuscripts. Um, that had this very similar brush stroke. I think I used the same pens. Right. Very similar uh, 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 rustic, uh, you know, textured, um, 
character to it and a little bit a little bit of old english um and that was again it was another expression of not so much uh maybe a, a spiritual inspiration but uh it's like i was i was into dragons at the time i was into the history i, I think this is this is this is, looks cool and it's kind of different and it's kind of more vertical and uh it's it's just fun you know and the, again the curves and uh, the, the the textures um that took a lot of time to pull together as, as much time as papyrus did and it, it won a, a type design award um and it, it too became um the uh you know the, the transfer lettering press type thing and went that route and then i ended up uh, because I own the rights to it, I ended up digitizing it on my own, and I, mm. I created it and digitized it in um, in Fontographer, which is a, a font creation software. That takes so much at time and thinking mm. and strategy. Like I say, strategizing because it is very strategic where you place those points. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take criticism lying down. You know, it's like. <laughs> I mean, I just, I do have to say to the, to the haters, it's like, you know, what have you done, you know, mm-hmm. that has uh, that level of, uh, of reach, you know? So, and I, you know, sometimes I wonder is, is there jealousy involved or, or whatever, you know, maybe a little bit, I don't know, but <clears throat> I just do what I do. And, uh, I, I, I live with the, uh, with the, uh, what do you want to with call both it? Sides. Feedback. Yeah, both yeah, sides. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. And yeah. you know, what, and one thing that strikes me, so that's, yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Seeing the way that you sort of have to re- learn to receive these things. But, you know, I, it's also worth pointing out that like one of the, one of the fascinating things about um, font as a mass marketed reality um, is the way in which, now this is obviously a minority of people, but like, you know, typography nerds, uh, whatever, like when you see them in the wild, so to speak, um, you form an automatic kind of relationship with the thing in which it, in which you find it, you know? So like in a certain way, so what, you know, for instance, like, um, every time I see some random merch that's like in Zapfino, I know like, okay, so this guy like made this on a Mac, right? Like it's like a Mac proprietary, yeah. proprietary thing. And like, it kind of puts you in a context of like a whole world, like a certain thought world, especially some years ago when that had more of a kind of like self-conceived identity with it and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, so I know like the kind of some of the thought world that this designer was working in when he made this thing, you know? Um, and I mean, I have to tell you, Chris, like I'm, I am one of these like OG kind of papyrus finders from like way back. I mean, 15 years plus. Um, I mean, I have one of my best friends. I, uh, uh, all around the world, when it, we, whenever we find papyrus, we take we take photographs and send it to each other. Um, and it just forms this like we, it's like I automatically have this like bond with it. You know, I, uh, I'm like. You could like you could do a, you could you could map a decline and fall of edible arrangements from when they drop papyrus, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such we have what one the of those heck? stores down the road, yeah. Yeah, dude, and I mean like yeah, you know, but like this is I recognize like I'm speaking here as like a typography nerd for whom like papyrus particularly caught my eye like way 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 mm-hmm. back. Um, but there is something funny about that, like beautiful funny. I mean about the way that like um, we have this like. 
because these are all available like on our computer screens, um, like whether it's, you know, just like word drop down menus or whether you have InDesign or whatever, like um, it's like we have all of these kind of private languages to communicate with each other. Uh, mm -hmm. They're sending certain kind of symbols, certain kind of signals, you know, that like I I get a I get a, a kind of a connection, a certain emotional and and uh, visual and conceptual relationship with something when I see it's in papyrus, as opposed to when I see that it's like be like, oh man, bro is like abusing Charlemagne again, you know, and like all this kind of stuff. Wingdings. Um, it's like <laughs> very rarely do you get companies who are bold enough to name their to to use the font wingdings uh, for their for their company, <laughs> you know. But um, I guess. Um, yeah, there is something funny about like the like the mass availability, you know. Like, mm -hmm. let me just put it like if I could just put it in like a kind of medieval context, would be like, um, you know, a scriptorium in a monastery. I uh, from basically from the beginning of uh, Christian writing, uh, they re they receive this from like the Roman tradition of writing is that they want to have a consistent hand like a consistent hand for a scriptorium so it doesn't like oh, so you you could say mm -hmm. you could say like a like a like a, a script you know that that oh, every like every a consistency it, of brand and like a sense. consistency of brand kind of thing you know so like um you can tell that th that this manuscript and you open it up if you can't speak latin at all you can tell it was written in luxoi because it looks mm -hmm. like it's the luxoi script you know and and it doesn't matter like only then a real expert will be able to recognize individual writers writing the luxoi script you know in the luxoi scriptorium or like you know lindisfarne or whatever like so it's so you get this kind of thing where um anywhere in the world you open it up and you have a certain kind of relationship that you know like there was a monk in Luxoi in like 690 and he was doing and like and he was he was being trained to write this kind of a way um it just strikes me that there that there is this very particular way in which a lettering of font like invites opens up a certain kind of relationship more than more than just conveying conveying information and more than just conveying emotion it mm. opens up a certain a certain relationship with the mm. uh, with the place with the person with the world around it yeah, uh, it's interesting you mentioned about the monks. Um, <laughs> when I was doing this papyrus, I was kind of tucked away in this my garage space, my uh, my studio, and I had envisioned again. <laughs> it's it's just random thoughts as I'm thinking and and you know uh, doing this this papyrus the the structure of papyrus. I thought I kind of feel like a monk right now almost. I feel like uh, I'm I'm. I'm how, and I thought about like what they do that they're, they're so they're the training that they had to go through uh, callig with calligraphy uh, and with uh, understanding all the elements of typography to the point where they can and modern calligraphers do this as well. They're so uh, um, advanced in, in knowledge and practice is that with one stroke, they can make a beautiful swirls that just end up where they need to be and it's almost like it's a miracle I, i'm personally not at that level i've not explored calligraphy to that degree but to some <laughs> little bit of it made me feel like this this must have been what a monk felt like i was talking to nobody for hours you know and i was just you know doing my work and 
somehow maybe I don't know feeling led by uh, like led by the spirit in some way uh, I just had that b- random connection I remember thinking about it at, at one moment so um but I know I, we've been talking about this yeah it's there there is a, a human connection that I had and, and somehow I, I cannot explain it I know we could probably you know as we drill down and, and discuss it further um, there's something human and spiritual about it and maybe that's why it's it it stirs i i think it does stir either a an admiration or a a a deep reviling of it it's it does something to everybody's spirit who sees it <laughs> you know and that's that's a, a, a way to look at it um so well and that's yeah. i would say again i mean i think that's what good art does and mm-hmm. when you talk about the human connection I love that. I love the visual of you sitting there in your, you know, Steve Jobs style garage, you know, connecting your experience to the experience of a monk. And I think that's one of the things that we as artists, we as creatives, makers don't maybe think about as often as we should. You know, in Catholicism, there is this idea of um, um, apostolic succession, right? Mm-hmm. That in theory, you know, you could, if you wanted to take the time, you know, meet any priest. And you could trace back the priest who laid hands on him to the priest who laid hands on him to the priest who laid hands on him all the way back to Jesus laying hands on one of the disciples and making them a priest, right? And mm-hmm. and so every priest can sort of trace his spiritual genealogy, so to speak. And I think there's something to be said artistically there, too. You know, when you're sitting there, across time, you might not know each other's names, but you are sharing a kinship and an experience mm-hmm. with that you know, third century monk mm-hmm. and with the 23rd century tech bro who's trying to create, you know, whatever font we're reading on the, on the, you know, metas, metas you know, metasphere or whatever it is mm-hmm. by that time. And, and that's a really cool universal thing. And, and I don't know. I mean, yes, we have to occasionally deal with doxing and murder threats and stuff like that because of the human connection and everything. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. There's something really beautiful in that, in that kind of cross time connection that, art and, and being an artist allows for yeah. any final thoughts on just on just that idea that, before we wrap up that is a great final thought when i think wow yes there is a connection with artists and creators throughout the course of human history you know we're all experimenting and all dealing with our current time and our current uh conflicts and and loves and and uh experiences uh, yes there's a connection with the calligrapher in in 15th century rome uh i never thought about that but it's like yeah and then you look to the the future we're kind of building something now that people are going to be looking back at with some form of admiration or uh uh, inspiration so yeah it's it's kind of cool to be a part of a lineage of of uh of creators that um hey we've got we've got our time and our place is right here and now. So with that, with this one life we have, let's just create, you know, and, 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 and love what uh, we've been blessed to do. I, I literally could not have said it yeah. better uh, myself. I don't think if I had a, a million years. So thank you for ending us on that note. Um, 
if uh, if you guys want to learn more, you listeners at home uh, want to learn more about Chris, you can you can find out more about him and, and his his beautiful work at chriscostello.design. Um, you can also, as I mentioned, uh, support the podcast and future missions and, and resources by going to uh, catholiccreatives.org forward slash support or even purchase kick-ass uh, goods via catholic.store so lots of great links to check out but as chris is saying you know let's let's really embrace that cross time uh, experience of being an artist and uh, with that spirit we invite you to go forth and create cool things You've been listening to Creative Things, a podcast of Catholic creatives, hosted by Father Gabriel Toretta O.P. and Jacob Flores Popcheck, produced by Jessica Flores Popcheck and Kyle Meineke. To find out more about how you can support the podcast and other ventures for artists, visit catholiccreatives.org forward slash support.